Good evening, afternoon, night, morning, whenever you find a way to watch or listen to this podcast. It is me, Omar, again from the Hardware Podcast, and we are slowly but surely getting back up to speed with this off-season content. Uh, just released a podcast today with my friend Mike Terrell. Mike Terrell, excuse me. Um, just talking about OVC realignment because conference realignment is not over, uh, not just at the FBS level but at the FCS level too. It's continuing uh, very well at this point. So. Uh, I'm joined by another guest, you know, uh, Bobby, a uh, friend of the podcast of the TNT College Football Podcast. Uh, glad to have him back on. We're going to be talking about UConn, as always. My, he's my resident UConn fan, uh, <laughs> UConn, UConn friend. So, you know, you know, we'll be reaching out to him for that matter. And, I mean, we're friends uh, 364 days of the year, except for, uh, you know, whenever your Army plays UConn um, this year. And, uh, you know, so I'm just I'm just glad to have Bobby back on. Uh, Bobby, thanks for coming on. And, uh, I mean, happy belated Mother's Day to your wife. And I hope I was a great one for your for your family. Thank you, Omar. I always appreciate talking with you uh, on the show and off the air. I mean, it's always a joy to to just bounce ideas off you and, and of course, talk college football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's always fun just like talking every day, just like sharing ideas, especially the brackets too. You know, I mean, I've been I've been trying to like vote and like uh, and share those as much as I can. But uh, you're really putting in like you know a labor a labor of love, honestly. Just like a hundred, I would have stopped at sixty four, honestly. Just like the top sixty four, I would have actually I, I might even stopped at thirty two, honestly, <laughs> with like the top thirty two helmets. You know, I would not have done a hundred thirty three team back bracket because I, I I can't imagine you know how uh, how complicated that is. It, it, it is a task, I'll say. And then, of course, you always got those people that come and you use the wrong helmet. And it's like, for goodness sake, like I can't post every helmet <laughs> like Oregon. There's an infinity amount of helmets that I could use. It's like I have to pick two. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, um, I mean, and even then it's just exponentials. It's like I can't imagine the bracket with like every single helmet in the FBS. You know, it's like playing games upon playing games at that point. So, yes. Um, <laughs> so I guess, I guess before we get sidetracked. Uh, of course, we're talking UConn football too, and I mean in this uh, in this context of conference realignment, uh, because come July the changes to the Americans conference makeup will be uh, official come the the start of the new academic year, so I guess academic whatever they call it at this point, fiscal or whatever. But those changes will be in effect, and of course, UConn fans are well are no stranger to realignment news, whether it's just like their themselves removing the, I guess, bro, I guess you can remove themselves from the American. So uh, just looking back, Robbie, I guess, like you have six new members of the American. You have Rice, UTSA, North Texas, Charlotte. Uh, I'm about to get stumped. I feel like UAB and then FAU. I think I got all six, I think. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Whew. But out of those six members, I guess, are there anybody in that bunch that that you think UConn fans would have been excited to play? Because I know that was just the main thing with UConn fans. It was just hard for UConn fans to get excited for these matchups, especially come basketball season. I think if I had to pick a couple from the new six that are joining, it would probably be Charlotte and FAU. Uh, I just I know they have a handful of players from Florida, our starting quarterback or from last year, Zion Turner. He's from Miami. Uh, we played FIU last year down in Miami. We're going to play him in Connecticut at Connecticut this year. Uh, but I know that that would be one. And who, of course, who doesn't want to go to Boca Raton? I mean, for goodness sake. Uh, and then Charlotte, I, I know there's a handful of guys from uh, North Carolina, South Carolina. So that would be another one that would be pretty cool uh, just from the proximity standpoint of recruiting. Um, so if, if I had to say it'd be those two, but 
in particular, uh, honestly, uh, UConn fans I know are very happy to be out of the AAC. Um, they they enjoy they enjoy I guess I, I got I'll, I'll say they enjoy the independent aspect of college football better than being in the AAC. Now, what that leads to moving forward, I know people are much more excited about. Um, because leaving the AAC allowed them to join the Big East for other for every other sport. So I know that that's been a huge deal for fans. But um, moving forward, as we'll talk about later in the show, I think there there's a huge interest in some of the other options. I do agree. I mean, the Big East is a natural fit as well. But I mean, the Big East is going to the negotiation table for meteorites. Uh, I think either this year or next year, and. Honestly, they're making a lot less money than I thought they would have made because all, all because they don't have football. I mean, they put out an outstanding product in men's and women's basketball, but I think it only nets each school four million a year. So uh, definitely something like like you said, UConn wanting to explore the other options at the table for sure. You mentioned the independent route, uh, which, of course, me being an Army fan, you know, we you know, we, we're both familiar with independent life and how hard it is to make a schedule, especially as an Army fan this year, uh, where we saw the consequence of a canceled FBS game, even though that FBS game was Tennessee and it likely would not have pushed us to bowl eligibility. Uh, we still had to schedule an FCS school in, uh, in, in exchange for that. So and that ended up being the one game that brought us away from bowl eligibility in the Independence Bowl. So I think uh, I want to ask, like, do you think that UConn fans values either because I noticed that. I think UConn plays like about like four power five schools each year, three or four each year, which is more than Army for sure um, on a yearly basis. I know I know this year's kind of an outlier with Army playing four power five games. I guess, do you think UConn fans value sort of having a combination of a national schedule, power five teams mixed in, and regional rivals with those regional rivals, I guess, be also being power five games, the games against Syracuse and Boston College? First, I'll, I'll say that we played Tennessee this year, so we'll we'll do our best to to uh, to uh, put on a good show for us and for your for you guys as Army fans. But uh, I, I think it's very important for UConn fans to have that national brand um, playing those bigger schools, those Power Five schools. We play a handful of ACC schools: NC State, Duke. Um, we play Tennessee, like I said. Uh, so I, I think it's important for that. And then obviously the Northeast uh, playing, we've played Boston college this year. We played Syracuse last year. Of course we're playing army. Um, so I, I, I think the Northeast rivalries for one is extremely important, not only just for UConn, but for every program in the region, just because I think it's, it's, it's a huge deal for recruiting. And then it's just a huge deal just to say, Hey, we're the best team in the Northeast. So I think that's a big deal. But like you said, the, the the brand name recognition for UConn, especially which they have in men's basketball, women's basketball, um, but it, it, it's a very important thing for for fans in the athletic department to be uh, mentioned with those quote unquote elite programs. Yeah, you mentioned the NC State game, which I know was recent big news. As we uh, we talked about before, we went on air about the TV announcements slowly coming, slowly but surely coming for the first few weeks of the year and beyond. Uh, the Thursday night game against uh, NC State is a huge one for sure. Just opening Thursday night on CBS Sports Network. So, like you said, just ha- I, I like I I just don't know if in the American UConn would have 
I guess one, the flexibility and schedule, of course, to schedule games like at NC State, because I'm not sure what their philosophy would be. Uh, I'm sure they'd have one FCS uh, opponent per year in the American. As for the other three, of course, it's a it's a tighter fit than having a 12 game uh, flexibility for sure. But I mean, uh, games like NC State, uh, CBS Sports Network opening Thursday probably don't happen uh, if. I mean, if UConn's still in the American, which exposure is great. Um, just having your own TV contract, uh, excuse me, having your own TV contract with CBS Sports Network. But on to something that may end up being a drawback in the long run for UConn's independence uh, as, as we look back is with the, the new playoff, the expanded 12-team playoff, where this is something that Army fans will have to ponder and think about as well, where a world where independents like them aren't really – there's really no place for them in the playoff compared to the group of five. Uh, and as of now, I, I guess the first part of this question I want to ask is with the American sort of in decline, do you think uh, there's kind of going to be a power balance change between them, the Sun Belt, or even the Mountain West for the top uh, group of five conference? Well, first I want to talk just for a second about that, uh, the movement of the NC state game to uh Thursday, August 31st, that is my birthday. So I'm very excited about that. But to answer your question, I do think that there will be a power shift of sorts when it comes to uh, the AAC, Sunbelt, Mountain West, uh, and the like. I think the Sunbelt has put themselves in a really, really good place from the regional rivalries aspect. And they've put really, really good product on the field <clears throat> the past handful of years. And I think if the AAC does eventually lose, say, Tulane or UTSA or even UAB, I think that's really, really going to hurt them uh, because that's definitely their best product right now. And uh, even Memphis, we, we you, you hear them mentioned a lot. You hear SMU mentioned a lot. So I, I, I think the AAC is probably in the toughest spot of everybody because they're probably going to be the conference that gets – uh, poached, I guess you could say, uh, before the others. I think the Sun Belt is pretty set. I don't. I don't think anybody really wants to leave the Sun Belt. Uh, I've heard talks that they would potentially add maybe Missouri State or somebody like that. So I think there's more more talks of the Sun Belt adding teams. The Mountain West again is another one that could lose teams as well. I mean, we've heard San Diego State and Fresno State and Boise State even for years talked about. Uh, potentially moving. So I think the AAC and the Mountain West are probably in the toughest spot just because they're inevitably going to lose some teams and it's just going to be uh, when it happens. Yeah, I, I totally would agree for sure. And I think this year, this past season with Tulane winning the New Year's or winning the New Year's six spot kind of brought a sneak peek for what's to come in the future where there, there really wasn't, I mean, Tulane was a clear cut, but you also had Troy with, uh, with two losses and 11 and two record and a convincing win over coastal Carolina in the Sun Belt that very well should have been ranked in the CFP and uh, in contention for the New Year's six, but it ended up being down to, you know, the AAC title game participants, which was questionable because UCF lost to Navy, uh, the week prior, which I mean, all, all due respect to the midshipmen, I, I will never disrespect the midshipmen. Uh, I know it may seem unbelievable, but um, they uh, they they had a very respectable year, but they were four and they ended up being four and eight. Yeah, four and eight this past year. 
Uh, so, I mean, not exactly a great loss. Uh, and then again, with the Mountain West, like Boise State may have started off cold, but they ended the season one of the hottest teams in the country as well. And it's, I mean, Boise State is just, you know, they're always consistent. They have the recruiting edge of the Mountain West as well. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then Fresno State, too, with uh, Jeff Tedford uh, and what he's done it there. So, um, I definitely, I definitely think it's more even playing field where I think maybe like being in the American isn't as much as an advantage as before. Uh, but I'll have to see how this first season shakes out before I make a verdict about uh, who is the top dog still, which I mean, I'm inclined to think it's a Sunbelt at this point. Um, just, but it just depends. I mean, even, even then like with uh, the years going beyond if uh, I guess how close the Carolina does without both Jamie Chadwell and uh, Grayson McCall, uh, Depends. I guess that also depends on who the top dog is. But uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll say nothing happens before we go into our next topic in, in real life. We'll say nothing happens with the rest of the Power Five. Do you think UConn makes a play to join a conference um, after the first few years of the of the twelve team playoff? Uh, I guess seeing sort of how other schools benefit from playoff appearances. And for me, of course, not the American, but I think the Mac is a good fit for both UConn and Army to join as football football only members. I'm pretty sure there I have a podcast somewhere on, on my channel where I've mentioned before UConn and Army coming as a package deal to the Mac. So I guess uh, thoughts on that, like no Power 5 domino shift. Uh, do you see UConn joining a, con- a group of five conference just for access to the playoff? I, I think you almost have to in today's landscape. I think, it, it, like you like you said, if you want a, any shot of being in the playoff, you have to be in a conference. The only independent who's ever going to have a shot at the playoff is Notre Dame, and we all kind of know that just because, I mean, for obvious reasons. Um, but a, a UConn independent football team is not going to have an opportunity, even if they go undefeated. They're just There's not – it's just never going to happen. So I live in Mac country. I've had this conversation with UConn fans as well. And and we could throw UMass into that conversation as well. Like you said, with army, I know UMass fans have talked about it too. And I know they used to be in there in their early 2010s. Uh, but I, I think it's a, the Mac would be a good option just for the fact that UConn could join and be competitive right away from a football aspect. I think it would be a really good opportunity for for them, like you said, if none of the other dominoes fall in this scenario like we're talking about. I think it's a great opportunity for them to join a conference and be able to compete right away. There is a Northeast footprint already with Buffalo, so it's not like they would just be the only team outlier, just out out in the middle of nowhere type of thing. So I think it makes a lot of sense. And then for me, selfishly, I would like it too, just because they play a lot of games closer to where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree 100%. I mean, uh, especially on the selfish reasons, too. I would love Army to play more games, you know, in the in the borderlands for sure. Uh, but I think, I think you know, UConn and Army are in similar spots, obviously being independents, you know, and I think they bring it up to the table. Uh, I guess particularly, especially Army, too, if uh, they get a chance to waive some of the Army-Navy game money uh, and the money of the of the Academy games in particular uh, and, and incorporate that into the, the Max TV contract, I think – there's no way the Mac can say no. Now scheduling would be funny come action time because Tuesday night, uh, Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday night action games are not exactly ideal for uh for cadet athletes, and I'm not sure the uh the West Point administration would want that for uh for their student athletes as well. The whole throughout the whole uh month of November too, because a lot of the 
I guess a lot of the appeal, uh, experiencing it firsthand, a lot of the appeal of a, of, a, of a West Point home game is seeing the cadets like act crazy, whether, you know, uh, whether they want to or whether it's they're mocking, you know, the the fact that, you know, we're being used as uh, as PR, you know, publicity pun pawns. That's another discussion for another time. <laughs> but uh, but that, I mean, you you kind of would lose that for a Tuesday night game at Mikey. Like, I'm not sure they would want the core cadets out. You know, I, I mean, well, actually, I, I do not put that. I do not put that beneath the administration at this point so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna move change topics before i before i you know say something controversial but uh but yeah so i mean i i think i think uh, that's a fascinating aspect long story short the whole tv money aspect of a uh, uh, of army and yukon as a package deal because you do get a, a bit of the new york city market in both cases with both schools so i guess now to the fun part uh you mentioned before that uh ross dellinger had written about uh, the uh, UConn having talks with the Big 12, which I could not, I, I did not even see coming or could even imagine. Uh, and then also, too, this comes on the heels of a report of the ACC's Big Seven, which is like, it's like the, it's like UNC, NC State, I think, Virginia, UVA, Clemson. Um, who else? It's like Clemson, Florida State, Miami. I don't know if I named seven schools, but seven ACC schools are looking at ways to break the grant of rights so they can get money. So I guess, uh, we'll say these dominoes fall with at least the ACC. I guess, what do, what do you think of UConn's fit in the ACC competitively for football? Well, I know for a little while now, since Jim Moore has taken over um, as head coach at UConn, like the, his goal has been to join the ACC. And I think UConn's footprint and everything that they are as an athletic department fits tremendously in the ACC. The ACC is is known for having good academics as well. UConn has very good academics that would fit right into the blueprint there. Uh, I think we all understand if UConn joined the ACC that they would fit right in with basketball, women's basketball, uh, baseball. They're very good. They they have a potential to host a regional this year. Softball, they've they've done very well. Um, and you can go down the line in the other sports, but of course we're talking about football and it, it, it comes down to UConn this year. I think it's very important because they play a handful of ACC schools. I think it's very important for them to show on the field that not only are they competitive, but that they can hang with them. Uh, like we talked about, we opened with NC state this year, last year we lost 41 to 10. Now the the game was closer than forty one to ten. Honestly, I mean we, we that was that was probably the turning point of our season that game because you could see the fight of the younger players and it was starting to turn at that point. And and I know NC State's lost a, a good amount of guys from last year, so I'm really really intrigued to see that game and just see how far we've come. And I know that the that the guys, the players, I've talked to many of them, and I know they remember 41 to 10. They remember that. It's one of the things that they're one of the things they're using this year. So, like I like I was saying though, I think the the main thing is you have to show the competitive aspect. Um, and we beat BC last year. And of course, UConn BC going back to when the conference realignment started, um, ESPN wanted to have BC over UConn and the ACC, whatever it may, we, we don't have to go in length about that, but what, what has that kind of led to 
from the standpoint of what has BC produced in the decade plus time frame that they've been in the ACC compared to what UConn's done. Now football, okay, I I, I get it. There was a stretch where UConn was the laughing stock of, co- of FBS college football, but if you're looking at the other sports, men's and women's basketball in particular, multiple national titles. They could have been in the ACC, and we all know Boston College isn't bringing that to the table. So I I think the ACC makes perfect sense uh, just from geography standpoint. I mean, there's so many teams there, Syracuse, Boston College. You can go down the coast. I mean, it it just makes sense. Uh, But, of course, I I personally think that that's the best fit, but I think the the Big 12 option that that has been discussed recently makes a lot of sense too. So I guess first I want to ask about the ACC before uh, we go, I guess, on your thoughts on the Big 12 option. So the ACC throughout its history has always kind of been an unbalanced, like one power at a time conference. Like whenever there's like one school that's at the top, like there really is no competition. Like going back to the 90s when Florida State joined, uh, we're kind of seeing that again with Clemson, even though it's a bit more competitive nowadays. Uh, that really wasn't the case, you know, in the in the 2010s. I mean, it was just Clemson every year. And, you know, wh- whichever team, literally whichever team showed up from the ACC Coastal as they had like the eight different champions in, or seven different champions in seven years where every team had a shot, which is just amazing. Uh, do you think that the quality of the ACC drops like a lot if they lose Florida State, Clemson, if they lose all those schools and replace them with like filler East Coast schools, like on my mind, a lot along with UConn. Say they lose those seven schools, like on my mind is like Temple, maybe Temple, UConn, like those two. Uh, they maybe South Florida to replace um to replace uh Florida State and maybe what are the one of the Miami school, or I guess one of the South Florida schools in terms of uh, FAU, FIU. Uh, do you think like the quality of the ACC like dips? you know, almost below the American at that point, if those seven schools do leave. There's definitely a potential for it, but I, I think having like, let's say Duke, Pittsburgh, uh, some of the, some of the bigger schools that we've Boston college and the like, I, I think that there's, there's enough there uh, from, from a fanfare standpoint to keep it running and keep it going. And I, I think if you take FAU from that standpoint to replace Miami, I think you're then taking arguably looking down the line, of course, arguably the best team in the AAC potentially. So I I still think the ACC would be looked at higher than the AAC at that point. Would they be a power five though? That, That that's, I think that's a discussion we could have that as realignment continues, I think we all understand that there's going to be, some power conferences and some of those quote unquote P fives might fall by the wayside from the P five standpoint. So I, I think that that's definitely a discussion that could be made, but I, I definitely would say that I think the ACC would be better than the AAC at that point. So that's an interesting point you make about like some P five schools dropping by the wayside, because looking back at AC at the ACC's history, the funny thing is, is like when, Georgia Tech won the national title in 89. Like, they didn't even play in one of the six modern New Year's Six Bowls. Like, they won their national title in the Citrus Bowl against Nebraska, who was having, like, a relative off year. So I feel like the ACC would kind of go back to, like, that era where it's just, like, 
I don't even know what what they would have been considered back in the day because there was no Power Five really, where they're just kind of like their own kind of, I guess, I guess group. I mean, not even Power Conference, just like they have brand names, but it's just like you know, it's a, it's views as, as a basketball league, you know, just not a football league for right. sure. Uh, I guess a fascinating development if like all seven schools do leave, which I feel like I feel like a lot of those schools have a very high, very high expectations or being very ambitious. You know, not going to name it, name any names of some of the schools in the Big Seven for fear of uh, of alienating fan bases. But I feel like there there won't be a world where all seven of those schools like disperse. But I mean, say all seven do, I feel like an interesting development would be uh, Army Army and Navy. You know, I feel like they would have to be at the top of the list for the ACC. I mean, for football, not definitely not for basketball too, because that is a huge leap going from the Patriot League to a a quad one league. Uh, and I'm not sure how it would work, quite frankly. But just you know, maybe Army Navy being an ACC conference game, if uh, if all those dominoes fall, definitely would be something that I I would be excited about. But just also, it may have to lose its standalone status. Its, it's status is a standalone game, so um also you know just that's a, a big frown uh i guess moving on to the moving on to the big 12 which was also rumored for uconn i guess what are your thoughts on the big 12 because we talked beforehand how the big 12 is just all over the place geographically where you know it just i just don't think it would be beneficial to many of their members to sprawl as much as like they rumored to be to be uh spreading across i know like one week they're talking about gonzaga and fresno state and like this week uh they're talking to uconn so uh, thoughts on UConn's fit in the Big Twelve? I, at first, when I first heard about this, like maybe six months ago or so, I was very against this because it was just like, what is this conference doing? Like, like you were saying, I mean, it's everywhere. It's it's going to be uh, it, like looking at it on paper, the conference covers the whole United States potentially. Uh, so it's a traveling nightmare. But at the same time, I I think. Looking at it a little deeper, like I've looked at it now, I look at it now as if you look at the teams that are in the Big 12 now, just the ones that are in there now, and then the four that are joining, UConn would be the top academic school. Um, So I think that would be a big deal. Um, And then I think the huge draw would be UConn enters a arguably the best basketball conference in the country in the Big 12. And I think we all understand what UConn men's basketball is. They've won the most national titles in the 2000s compared to anybody else. So if you join the like of Kansas and they're playing each other this year in men's basketball at Fog Allen, so that'll be awesome. But but uh, I, I think that would be huge for arguably the best men's basketball conference, adding potentially the best basketball team, uh, the best basketball team in the country last year, but potentially moving forward too, they've, done some amazing things but looking at it from a football perspective i think uconn can join and and compete with a handful of the teams right away um they're they're obviously not going to join and like win the conference that we we all understand that but i think moving forward when you when you're in a conference now you have a something to stand on at that point when it comes to recruiting and then you're recruiting the likes of those players in the power five level players, and you can start to get some uh, more four-star guys and potentially a five-star guy down the line. So I think that's a big thing. I, I, I think the only thing coming out of this whole discussion is not if UConn moves to a conference, it's going to be when they do it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. Um, I'm like 50-50 actually, 50-50 on like when it happens. I guess 
because I, I I have to see the ACC dominoes fall to be honest with you, and I and I have to see. Well, actually, in, in order of like what has to happen for me to kind of like believe like UConn joins conference, I have to see like the Pac twelve like media deal, like what happens after that in terms of like the American, then see whether the Big Twelve was you know using a, a Trojan horse or a smokescreen because of the Pac twelve, and then the AC, ACC dominoes, and then you know then I'd have to you know be a you know, convinced that UConn would uh join a conference after those three dominoes. Like nothing against UConn fans, so I just feel like there's just a lot of posturing right now in terms of a like, like conference realignment. Like a lot, a lot of, lot. It feels it feels like a cold war right now, where like no one's moving, but a lot of people are saying stuff right now for uh between yes. all the Power <laughs> Five conferences. So it's like literally anyone can make up a rumor now and just like you know say like they heard something, which like we saw like. You know, when, the, when we thought the Pac-12 was falling apart, the Pac-12 was going to disband, uh, everyone became an inside source at that point, you know, somehow. So I, I'd have to see that first. I guess if UConn does go to the uh, to the to the Big 12, do you see them uh, bringing a pow- uh, travel partner, excuse me, a travel partner with them, whether it be maybe Temple? Temple is like the only one that I can think of. Um Navy, maybe. I mean, uh, it's it's really slim pickings in terms of uh, travel partners for uh, for the Big Twelve for UConn to to join. Right, I, I do think that they will have to figure something out when it comes to that. Because just in every other sport, you, you're going to have to have something. I mean, it's it's not it's not going to make sense to have your gymnastics team fly to BYU and then on like a Thursday and then turn around and on Saturday or Sunday be at home. Like you, you're, there's going to have to be some, some sort of, of an agreement there with somebody. Maybe it becomes Boston college. If the ACC falls apart, or like you said, I think temple makes sense. Like you were saying army Navy, uh, potentially, I mean, something like that, but I, I, something does have to be put in place. Though. I think that's a great point. Armor. Yeah, I mean, I agree because I think um, I feel like a lot of these conferences before making don't know what that was, but uh, I feel like a lot of a lot of conferences before uh, making um, these decisions to like expand their bounds like almost exponentially, like the Big Twelve, have to see how the USC UCLA experiment uh, works first too. Which again, they may add another domino to this you know list of dominoes that I have to see to believe for uh, for UConn to join a conference because again, like. I, I think it's too late to turn back for USC and UCLA. Obviously, like they joined the conference at this point. The the state legislature legislature got involved and okayed the move. But, you know, I mean, whether it's a a smooth, seamless move or a very bumpy ride, you know, throughout the duration of their membership of the conference, like not just in the starting start of the duration, that remains to be seen. So um uh, I mean, a travel partner would help. And I mean, Cincinnati's kind of close to like Cincinnati and you kind of been, you know, conference partners, but I'm not sure how much of an ideal pair. I mean, West Virginia too, for that matter too. But I mean, UConn might as well be on an island. Like, I mean, it doesn't yeah. matter if like Cincinnati and West Virginia were both in the Big East with them for uh, decades. But, you know, uh, it, it's it's also interesting, honestly. So, I mean, I, I, got, I got to do my homework too and just, uh, you know, get my Excel sheets and everything between like calculating distances and everything like, like everyone else would. No, I agree with you. I, I think, but like you said, there's got to be something in place there. You can't just, you can't just do it at all the rumors everybody's talking about and just have all these teams out by themselves wherever. I mean, it, it'll, it would be an absolute mess. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and I mean, for that matter too, like Conference USA might even be like a guinea pig for this experiment too with uh, the weeknight games. Cause I am very intrigued just to 
being an hour away from Las Cruces and living in El Paso, just intrigued to see how these schools are going to travel on a, on a midweek night, which I think, I think conference USA has done a good, a solid job or as good of a job as they can to make uh, the most optimal matchups for the weeknight in terms of travel. But there's still like right. some that are extreme, like F is traveling to Las Cruces on a Wednesday night. Like that's a, that's, that's ridiculous, honestly. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine. Like, I mean, I get that they're playing like, uh, you know, I guess they have a bye week beforehand and then they're playing, you know, on another Wednesday the week after. But it's just like it's, it is it is a nightmare, honestly, without, yeah. without without lack of a better a better term. But TV talks, I guess. Yep. Funny. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Money. It's it's like it's like the tweet. Uh, I, th- I think I think you like the tweet, too. I saw before with like uh, the, the Big Ten being fine with a. Uh, with the uh, night games in November after it was such a huge deal. Like we missed out yeah. looking back. We missed out on so many great night games um, for the big 10 over the years. But like now that they, now that they're across every single over the air TV in the country, like, you know, night games are fine now, you know, as, as long as they're, as long as they're branded night games are fine. Uh, the one that comes to mind too, is like a uh, Rashad Bateman's uh, performance against Penn state. Like that would have been such a great game at night, like to be the Saturday yeah. night game, but you know, the the then the rules back then got in the way, but now right. you know, money talks. So <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I mean, I think that's the moral of our of our story. You know, just uh throughout every single topic that we've covered, just money talks. But uh, I think that's all I have right now, Bobby. Uh, do you have do you want to promote anything or have anything else you want to add? Well, as always, Omar, thank you for having me on, uh, guys, listeners. Please feel free to follow me at TNT College Foot One uh, on Twitter. I'm going to be starting uh, in the next month or so, I'm going to be starting breaking down every college football team in the FBS level, all 133 teams. I do two a day uh, starting in like mid-June until we zero. So it's a lot of homework that goes into that, but it's a ton of fun. Yeah, and I I don't envy it as well. I I read the previews. I don't provide the previews. I just I just provide a I just provide analysis. I I don't I don't do previews. I for my wife. Pray for my wife as I uh, as I uh, am, am not <laughs> around as much. <laughs> yeah, like uh, it's it's funny it's funny when we talk about previews because uh, this morning like Brett McMurphy's way too early bowl projections and I looked and I saw Navy going to the military bowl and I'm like I'm like I'm like is he out of his mind and then I talked to my friend James uh, of a brigade review for Army uh, his his dad's a Naval Academy graduate so I mean he follows Navy also very closely kind of like you know in kind of the same way that I do like I have immense respect for the midshipmen you know uh i want i want to beat them every year but you know i I hope that they have a very solid season too i mean no no hate but he's like he's like navy returns four senior offensive linemen um they they have a lot of seniors on defense and like he's like they've got one of the easiest schedules in the american and then i looked at him like wow i really didn't do my research yet you know he's like he's right like like these guys could actually go to the military bowl this year but uh despite losing coach ken so i the, the 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 work that you guys put in on previews, like I, I, I'm grateful for it. It's a task, that's for sure. But it's I, I, I love it. I enjoy it. It's a ton of fun. Yeah, I bet, I bet for sure. Um, but yeah, so keep stay tuned for Bobby's previews. They are very helpful. Um, I, I don't know if you're gonna do win loss records again. I know, I know you got a uh, into into some troublesome fan bases predicting win loss records last year. Oh man, that you can't win with that. There's there's no win. <laughs> out of it i think i'm gonna stick with not doing it again <laughs> yeah no i i would agree honestly too um but yeah like stay tuned for that and uh you know just i'll, I'll probably use bobby's uh, projections to 
uh, to look at, to, I guess, to, excuse me, to create my own bowl projections too, as well uh, from there. So uh, Bobby, thank you again. Look forward to the next time we talk and uh, until next time, everyone, peace, love and soul.